Hello, welcome to Lit Century, our podcast where we talk about one book for every year of the 20th century. I'm Sandra Newman, and I'm here with my co-host, Catherine Nichols. This is our second episode about The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson from 1959. And here to discuss it with us is Benjamin Dreyer. Benjamin is the author of Dreyer's English, An Utterly Correct Guide to Clarity and Style, and of the upcoming Dreyer's Fiction. He's the copy chief at Random House, and in that capacity he had the opportunity to work on Let Me Tell You, a collection of previously unpublished work by Shirley Jackson. So welcome again to Benjamin. Okay, I want to get into the book itself. We've been talking a lot about Shirley Jackson in general. So so I'm, I'm just going to like tell you some of my ideas, and then you guys can disagree with me or... Or agree and expand. So, so th- one of the things that I find really fascinating about the book is the way in which Hill House becomes Eleanor's home. Like it becomes home, and it's this figure of home, and it it changes as a symbol in so many different ways. So it's home, it's family, like the the other people who have been called to the house are immediately these important figures in Eleanor's mind of you know, the best girlfriend, the kind of demon lover playboy figure whom she dismisses but also wants, and the the sort of very paternal figure. And all of it just changes, not even over time, but from moment to moment. The people change from moment to moment. Everything is completely unstable. It's been being seen, or not just seen, but it exists via Eleanor's unstable point of view in this really wonderful way that leaves the reader in a place where you have you are actually living in the degeneration of reality of another person and then at the end something like the absolute reality which is referred to at the beginning comes slamming down and Eleanor is kind of left alone in in her madness and is killed by it. But that's also like her leaving the house. She can no longer leave the house, which I think is also kind of interesting in, in terms of Shirley Jackson's agoraphobia, which she was developing at roughly this time. But but I think it's also like the, the house feels really claustrophobic, but then it becomes the home that you can't leave and the only center of happiness or hope it's it's kind of and it feels like maybe I'm getting a little garbled, but like one of the things that it suggested to me was the claustrophobia of female female identity, and how that claustrophobia can turn into a kind of agoraphobia. Like you cling to the relationships that that are stifling you. You you stay in the place that that limits you, and you become afraid that if you ever leave it, you will self destruct. Yeah, okay, I, <laughs> I, in my notes, as I was reading, um, I wrote something like, is all domesticity haunted? You know, the, uh, the fact that the, she has left a house where her aging mother is banging on the walls and calling for her all the time in the night. And then now she's in a haunted house where there are bangs on the walls. But then I thought that the... Um, the narrative doesn't fall into anything very easily. 
I don't think it matches real world experiences in a very tidy way. Um, and one of the places where I felt that was um, like they have this kind of horrifying experience. And at first, it, like the first time they have um, like a, a definite haunted house kind of experience in the night. And they're laughing in fear, which I loved. And then the next morning, they're like all very cheerfully having breakfast together, feeling great. And I was thinking, uh, um, really? Like you guys are just going to cheerfully have breakfast after um, having this terrifying haunted house experience in the night? They don't talk about something that they could do other than stay in the house. They're so happy that they kind of had this experience that, um, I don't know, I'm coming back to my interpretation of them as readers of a book, that the house is taking them on, like, through a narrative, and the fact that the way Eleanor dies is the way the first owner of the house died in the exact same place feels like the house is... Um, purposely controlling their experience and managing their emotions like an author. I mean, right from the very beginning, I think the house is, is, is never consistently what you expect it's going to be. Um, I mean, when, when Eleanor drives up to the house for the first time and, and gets a look at it, she immediately uh, characterize it, characterizes it as vile. Um, when she's first in the house, the house is almost comically unappealing. Um, and, 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 and then there's this sort of this kind of like weird shift from, you know, the rooms are oppressive and awful. They're an awful imitation of what comfort is supposed to look like. And, and then that shifts over to, to the idea that the rooms are actually in their way, honestly comfortable that the house is in some ways hospitable, um, but then that all, that all shifts. And, and, and indeed it's, it's building up to the first major episode of, of haunting, which is Eleanor and Theo in the room in the middle of the night with the house trying to get at them, mm -hmm. uh, banging its way down the halls, looking for them. Um, which by the way, I, 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 I was happy to note when I was rereading the book is fully, the, the book is fully half over um, before, be, before it really lets loose with, with the scary. Um, it's, it's just, it's, you, it's so unpin downable at every moment. And it's, it's just, it's one of the things that I really, uh, that I really like about it is, is, is how elusive uh, it, it is how elusive the house is, how elusive the narrative is. Um, you know, what happens to Eleanor after, uh, and I think it's the very next day after that, the, the banging night, uh, when the first instance of automatic write, uh, not auto, of haunted writing is seen. Help Eleanor come home. And, and all of a sudden there's this possibility that, that Eleanor herself wrote it and they're all looking at her different. Or is that simply... Eleanor's extreme anxiety about how she's interacting with these other people. And there's just a whole lot that you can never really quite be sure of. 
One thing that I love about that moment is that in a couple of places it's framed as Eleanor possibly doing it herself to call attention to herself, which it's just such a such a beautiful thing. Like in the, I mean, again, as as writing about women's experience, that this this whole experience of the haunted house, not just the madness that it might be, but the haunting itself. The fact that it focuses on Eleanor is dismissed as something that she could be doing as a narcissistic display. Yeah, and the, the, uh, her trying to get someone to pay attention to her is um, almost criminal. It's, it's such a terrible yeah. thing to be. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Montague says flat out to her at one point, stop making yourself the center of attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When they are specifically there to be the center of attention of a study on these paranormal experiences. Like that they, it's also, the yeah. is supposed to pay attention to them. By that point, of course, it's a, it's a little unclear whether, whether we're supposed to regard anything any, anyone says to Eleanor as exactly real or if they're projections of the haunting of her her internal state um so so it's but it's all very there i mean there's so much in the book i think this this goes to what benjamin was saying about shirley jackson being so rich on the page and grabbing you at every moment you you can just stop on any page and think about it for like half an hour and not run out of things to think about yeah, I mean it, it. It is one of the reasons why the novel for me rewards rereading. It's 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 always. I mean, it's always fresh, just because it's just so well written. Um, but there's 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 always something different to see every single time you read it. Another novel that just popped into my head um, right now because of uh, also that experience of how many times I've I've read it and the things that I've learned in subsequent rereadings um marilyn robinson's housekeeping which yeah. again um i i'm reasonably certain i saw the film first um and and it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful movie and 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 many people are surprised to know that there is one so i always like to talk it up uh but there is this great film of marilyn robinson's housekeeping with christine lottie playing sylvie and because of the way Sylvie plays her, um, the sort of eccentric uh, heroism of, 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 her, of her portrayal, I think that I always had uh, this idea uh, of, of Sylvie as this sort of model of, 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 of non-conforming behavior and, and, and heroic. And, and I brought that with me when I first read the book and when I read the book again and when I read, read the book again and it was interesting to me that when when my husband who's a psychotherapist read it he very patiently explained to me he's like you realize that Sylvie is a paranoid schizophrenic um, and that what she is doing to those two little girls even though she is not intentionally malicious is is terrible for them yeah and yeah. and 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 that her absconding with Ruthie uh, at the end of the book is is not this wonderful thing but it's pulling Ruthie into um, 
you know, her own madness. Um, and so now, of course, I just keep reading it over and over again. And, and now I just don't decide anymore. <laughs> yeah, I I um, just read a draft of an essay by Elisa Gabbert, who was our guest um, just a couple weeks ago. Um, it was about loneliness. It's scheduled to come out, I think, at Harper's. But um, one of the things she said in there is that loneliness, um, I mean, I think a lot of people know this, that loneliness makes you worse at making friends. It makes you both hyper alert to uh, social signals, but also more likely to misread them as uh, hostile. Um, and I was thinking about Eleanor's loneliness and how much... Um, especially in the pandemic when everyone is so lonely and so housebound, um, that quality of not quite trusting your ability to judge whether people around you are being hostile or not, um, that, that, that's, that she's kind of unpacking and expanding that exact experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I was thinking about that about that too that the well really just the fact that covid has become a kind of externally enforced mass agoraphobia so like yeah. reading the book in terms of kind of this kind of agoraphobia claustrophobia thing and the loneliness goes with that it's this it's a space where whatever walks walks alone where you even when you are with people, you are actually alone and the people are in a sense projections of your consciousness, which is a consciousness formed by a mother who was abusive to you and therefore it, it, it eventually kills you. Um, and I mean, this, her relationship with Theo, I read as um, both of them being gay, but Theo not really being particularly attracted to Eleanor. Is that also how you read it? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Theo is most Theo is most certainly a lesbian, and 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 of course, as she would have been styled in the in in those days, if Shirley had written the word, she was she's a capital L lesbian, um, and she's I mean, and she's marvelous, and and I think she takes a great. I mean, I think she's she's hugely fond uh, of Eleanor. Um, although she finds her also at certain points exasperating, but the way they sort of at points go at each other. Um, Eleanor presuming that Theo is hostile uh, uh, toward her, that, that Theo is taking um, Luke's and Dr. Montague's side against her. Um, when I, I reread those passages and I try to see what is, what is objectively happening and what is indeed simply Eleanor's anxiety. Um, it's also, I mean, it's a, it's it's a lovely touch to the way um, Theo renames Eleanor um, uh, multiple times. She's Nell. She's 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 Nellie. It's um, it's 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 lovely. And 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 as I was rereading the end of the book, um, where Eleanor is finally getting ready to leave the house. And the last one she says goodbye to is Theo, who seems to be in the moment sin sincerely um, distraught at, at Eleanor uh, at Eleanor's 
leaving and, and afraid that, as she said, I was afraid you weren't going to say goodbye to me. Um, it's heartbreaking. It, it's heartbreaking. And, 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 and what really got to me this time, and I don't recall having had the, this reaction to it before, is when they're all like, well, you'll go home. You'll go home to your apartment that you love. Everything's going to be nice. And she finally has to confess that she made it all up. Um, and that she, as she said, sleeps in a cot, sleeps on a cot in her sister's apartment in the room with the baby and everything that she owns herself is in the car. It just made me want to cry. Yeah. 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 That's such an awful moment. Um, yeah. It, it's a very particular quality of loneliness that... Um, that she identified so precisely when everything else in the book is shifting around so much and is, is uncertain exactly where reality is in so many of these scenes. And yet the exact feeling of Eleanor's loneliness is absolutely precise. Um, and, and felt very of our time, maybe even more than, I mean, People can be lonely always, but um, it, it had a very 2020 feel to it, to me. Well, one thing I, I also particularly noticed this time as I was reading it, although I'm sure I had noticed it before, is that for Shirley Jackson, Shirley Jackson maintains a great level of compassion throughout the book for Eleanor. Um, even though, as you certainly notice when you read other things of, of Shirley's, particularly the short stories, um, she can be extremely unkind uh, to her characters. She sets them up in painful situations and, and then she just skewers them. Um, it's, it's, it can be kind of awful to, to, to experience, awful to watch, but she's, she's, she is very nice. Um, to Eleanor, except at the very last minute, it is just, it's a moment of, um, of, of great pain that as Eleanor is driving away from the house and is increasingly, and it's, it's, it's barely a paragraph long, but she's, she's lost in the reverie of, 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 of belonging to the house and nothing can take her away from the house and, and she's home and she's home and she's home except she realizes at the very last second that she is about to drive her car into a tree. And her last, I think, conscious thought is, why am I doing this? Mm. And it's like, ow. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to understate that, but it was like, no, it's, I, it's, an, it's, it's an awful moment. It is, but I agree with you that um, in general, she was much more compassionate toward Eleanor then I think of her as being as a writer. It was much warmer and closer to that character's struggles and her her failures to overcome those struggles. Um, the book felt overall much kinder to that character than I kind of think of Shirley Jackson as being. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm absolutely I'm absolutely agreeing. What do you think? It's also very, it's, it's, I mean, uh, it's also very funny. 
Yes. Um, yes. It's 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 a very funny book. She certainly knows the value uh, uh, of a of a running joke. Um, I mean, Mrs. 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 Dudley, the housekeeper, um, is 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 a is a great creation. Her constant announcement that I clear at ten, I clear at ten, <laughs> I clear. It. It's I mean, it's it's marvelous. Um, it's it's marvelous how she how she how she does it and it's 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 not just quietly funny it's particularly funny it is and i also was impressed that she had the characters laughing at her own jokes and it worked really well like having the characters saying like oh geez you know she keeps on saying like in the dark at night no one will hear you scream you know, like all of this stuff and the characters are like geez wow lady you're pretty intense you know um and that that actually felt like like it, it um, made me feel closer to the characters instead of making me think, oh, the author is sort of forcing us to laugh at her jokes. The other thing that's really funny about Mrs. Dudley is how in the end, when Mrs. Montague the, the, and Arthur Parker arrived, like the unhaunted people, we then suddenly hear Mrs. Dudley chatting away with Mrs. Montague like a completely normal person. <laughs> I mean, right. So that's like the final pulling of the plug of that joke that the punchline that we did not see coming. Yeah, which is which is interesting. And I, I, of course, I have I have largely blocked entirely from my memory the remake with Catherine Zeta-Jones and and Lily Taylor, except to remember how wonderful Marion Seldes is as as Mrs. Dudley. And I've 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 always had this. Uh, I, I, I made up this little story in my head that the script, which just does you know great damage to everything that that Shirley Jackson wrote, that Marion Seldes marches onto the set with pages of the novel in her hand and says, "Well, whatever it is that you're all doing, I'm doing this." You know, the I way watched, it was. Written. I watched that movie as a as a kid, and um, the and it made me not read the book for a really long time because the movie was so bad, except for that exact performance i loved that so much it was became like a in joke amongst my friends we all we all love this her scenes so i'm glad you you mentioned that but in the in the in the first film the robert wise film from 1965 maybe um one of the things that's interesting one of the things that is interesting is that mrs montague and arthur do not show up um Uh. it's like it's like there can be once once they get the house going, you know, once the house starts banging and carrying on, it's too late for comic relief. It's too late for intrusions from the outside world. It's just it's just the four of them locked in there in the house with the Dudleys. And that's it. And I think that for movie storytelling, I, I think I think it's a wise I think it's a wise choice. I think the novel can can stand up to Mrs. Montague's arrival. I don't think that a film can. I think you're right. And I think that the function in the novel is more, um, it almost justifies Eleanor's increasing agoraphobia to have these two nullities show up. Um, They're so ridiculous and they so don't get it. They don't understand what's happening and are completely numb to curiosity about what's happening um that it really 
I think in the world of the book, it helps the reader understand Eleanor's dislike of the idea of leaving at that point, which increases from that point on, right? Yes. So, I, yeah, I, yeah. Ha- I mean, other than comic relief, I don't know how you see those characters functioning otherwise. Yeah. I, you first, please. Oh, okay. Um, I think I was going to take it a little bit to one side and just say that by the end of the book, really strangely, from from the book from the house being just vile when we first confront it and almost not believing that Eleanor would enter it, by the end you you are actually kind of on Eleanor's side and wanting to stay there forever with these people, you know to to imagine that it just completely makes sense for them to stay there and be a family together and the warmth of their interactions and the the inside jokes that they have, it's all so beautiful and it really beautifully recreates what it's like to be somebody who's making friends for the first time away from home and everything is magical while at the same time, of course, everything is horror and everything is actually really terrifying and we can see that this is going to end horribly for Eleanor. Um, now I can't remember where this came from, but I'm hopefully Benjamin still remembers and can answer the question you actually asked. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. no, I mean, I, 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 I think that I, I think that, you know, that Mrs. Montague and her, her, her companion, uh, what's his name? Arthur. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, showing up is, is an interesting way to just sort of, crack the tension so as to be able to rebuild it even worse. Um, and, and I think that they work very well as, as, as that sort of device, but they also, I think, arrive indeed as a threat to Eleanor and to this, to this new little family that, that she's constructed. Um, and, and I think that it is one of the truly sad things, I'm sorry, it's one of the truly sad things um, about the book that Eleanor's life has been before her arrival in Hill House so lonely, so unrewarding, so eventless that 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 the adventure of the house and and the the prospect of living in the house um, absolutely completely overcome the threat of the house. That's, that's how much she wants to be with Luke and Dr. Montague and, and Theo. Um, that, 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 that even the house can't, can't break her of that. Yeah. The, um, and, and she's not wrong. Like she and Theo, when they're scared, they hold hands as opposed to the relationship she has with her sister. And it's really heartbreaking in a very non-paranormal way when she asks Theo, like, well, we're just going to keep living together even after we live, we leave here. Right. And Theo's mm-hmm. not into it. Um, that, um, she's, she's, uh, she's right to want to stay and to feel hurt that the others aren't as invested in it, in their friendship and in their in jokes and so on as she is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that feels absolutely true. Um 
I was wondering, um, because although I've seen the original movie, The Haunting, at some point in my life, I have no recollection of it. And reading the uh, Shirley Jackson Shirley Jackson biography, um, I saw that Ruth Franklin says that in The Haunting, Dr. Montague is the love interest for Eleanor. Is that is that right? Uh, I can just I, cut I, this out if it's not true. <laughs> I, I, I I don't think that. I, I don't, nah. <laughs> oh, I don't okay. think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, Luke certainly isn't because, well, because Luke is, Luke is Russ Tamblin, you know, Riff from West Side mm-hmm. Story. And, and, and we like him, but what, what he brings to Luke is a, is a heavy dose of just being obnoxious. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that the I think that the film does a pretty good job of making it clear that Eleanor's strongest bond in the house is to Thea, um, and 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 to a great extent that's because Claire Bloom is just so captivating. Um, you understand why Eleanor falls in love with her a little bit, but no, I think that I mean I think that Doctor Montague and I can't even remember the name of the actor. Um, no, I mean he's just he's he. He, he's he's the he's the paternal sort of father figure and and maybe sort of vaguely alluring, but um, it's 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 definitely the relationship of the film is the one between Eleanor and Theo. Yeah, well, let me just get one thing in, which um, so so I just wanted to mention this is again from the biography that I'm Shirley Jackson has like an interest throughout her work in houses and significant houses and mansions. And I have just learned from the biography that that is kind of a hereditary trait because she comes from a family of three generations of architects. And, and notably, like supposedly she based Hill House on a mansion that she discovered. Okay, I'm going to read this. I think this is from the Wikipedia article. The author decided to write a ghost story after reading about a group of 19th century psychic researchers who studied a house and somberly reported their supposedly scientific findings to the Society for Psychic Research. She later claimed, claimed to have found a picture of a California house she believed was suitably haunted looking in a magazine. She asked her mother to help find information about the dwelling because her mother had lived in California and her mother identified the house as one the author's own great-great-grandfather no. had designed. And supposedly, this is again, according to the biography, her great-great-grandfather, who built the original of Hill House, built a bunch of vast, like weirdly elaborate kind of robber baron's mansions on Knob Hill in San Francisco. Um, and all of the inhabitants came to sticky ends and the mansions were ended up left abandoned, inhabited only by cleaning staff, like a child would die there or somebody would go insane and the, they would desert the mansion. Um, the the best story I think it's le- actually one of the Stanfords. Um, the son died, and the parents deserted the mansion and left the kids' room, which was on the ground floor, exactly as it had been, with the curtains open so that passersby could look in. Wow! Wow! So that is my fun Shirley Jackson fact. And you know, and 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 this point actually goes back to you know the a point that I was making 
earlier, which is that whatever it is, what, whatever the differences might be between objective reality as far as Shirley's ancestry is concerned and the stories, the way she chose to shape and tell them, it's like, I give her all credit. It's like, you tell the stories the way you want to tell them. Yes, it's a nice detail, and it's not like I'm saying that 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 Ruth should have hid the information that Shirley's account of the writing of the lottery is not really accurate. Um, that's one of the things that happens when somebody writes a biography of you, and I'm sure that there are many stories that, that I tell about myself that I have probably persuaded myself happened exactly the way I like to tell them, that if you dug a little deeper, maybe they didn't quite happen that way. Um, but it is, it, it, it is one of the things that I just, I give her credit. It's like she tells a good story, whether she is presenting it as fiction or whether she is presenting it as something that actually happened to her she tells a good story. And, and that, for me, is the most important thing. That was our second episode on The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. I'd like to thank Benjamin Dreyer once again, and thanks as always to Adam Bear for our theme music and to LitHub for hosting us. And if you want to talk to us, you can reach us on Twitter at LitCenturyPod or on email at LitCenturyPodcast at gmail.com. 